and welcome back to another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. My name is Zach Shapwurst. With me is Vinny Tadaro. And uh, we've got big news breaking probably two hours before we recorded. we're recording this. Um, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys coming to terms with a long-term contract. Uh, four years, $160 million. So that'll be... That's... Uh, Definitely something we'll talk about, and um, we're, we're also, before that signing, we're planning on talking about free agency in general, um, since next by next episode, we'll be into the legal tampering period. So, um, got a lot, a lot on the agenda for this week, uh, but as always, we'll start off with a trivia question, and this week it is Vinny asking me the question, so go, go ahead, Vinny. Okay, this offensive lineman was drafted in the same draft as Larry Allen. Okay. By the Cowboys. Okay. So that was, well, it was positive. That was 1994. Um, uh, let's see. I'm going to rattle off some names. I know, man, it, it, it wouldn't have been an immediate starter. I'm, I'm pretty positive about that. Oh, man, I, I bet you're going to get me with a like an obscure guy. Uh, 94 offense. That's my second hint is he's not obscure. He's not obscure. Okay. Um, no. I, I mean, Andre Gerard, but he's not. No. And Ray Donaldson. Oh, that counts. Yes. Okay. All right. That's my first guess. Um, it's way before Andre Gerard. Yeah, yeah. Uh He did. Did he? He didn't start right away, did he? No. That's a. You're right. Okay. So. Uh, you want another hint? Yeah. Yeah. He replaced Larry Allen at right tackle in the championship game against the Niners. Okay. 1994 championship game. Uh. Not Eric Williams, because he was 91, I think. Uh, no. Flozell Adams is way after. Yeah, I don't think I know it. Um, got... It was ironic that he started, that he played against the 49ers, because when he became a free agent, and the Cowboys should have chosen to re-sign him instead of Nate Newton, who was eating himself out of the league. Um, they let him go. And he went on to become a pro bowler with the 49ers. So they drafted two pro bowl old linemen in the same year. Mm -hmm. After Jimmy. Wow. 
probably the biggest haul of of any. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was all downhill after in the nineties. Yeah, ah, uh, I feel like I know that this. was the Shante Carver draft. Ninety four. He was the first. Yeah, I think I, okay. I think it was. Or what, I think it was the Shante Carver draft. Maybe Shante Carver was a year later. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna throw in the towel. I, I feel like I'm gonna know it when you say it. I, at least have heard of the name, but Ron Stone. Okay. Yeah, I, I have heard that name. Not not someone I'm super familiar with, but. Yeah, I've heard that name. Well, somebody who you'll go on the computer and yeah, research. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's. But is Vinny sure? Is Vinny right? Did he play with the Niners? Did he make the Pro Bowl? <laughs> yeah. That yeah, was, we, that, we was had... the, that, that was the, that was sort of the beginning of their. He's from West Roxbury. We used to play them in uh, in high school, or not in high school, but Pop Warner. It's a inner city Boston. School. So okay, so he was a Pro Bowler. He's an All Pro and a Pro Bowler, but not never with the Cowboys. No. Um, it's funny we we had a couple guys like that. Jimmy Smith was the other. Yeah. You know, even more extreme example because he didn't play with us at all. And then like Randall Godfrey, I think was a well, pretty pretty decent with the Titans. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was good. But um. That those were you know that was the when the Cowboys were showing their ineptitude when it came to free agency. Yeah, and you know, like I said, keeping an aging Nate Newton who was too fat had gotten too fat once Jimmy left, and let go Ron Stone who played well for us. We yeah. never really gave him a chance to start. Yeah, he wanted to start. We should have given him Nate's job. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that like I. I don't know because I wasn't, I know the like season historical stuff, but not the kind of the deeper stuff that you had to be there for of like, you know, I, I know of Nate Newton as, you know, he was a, not a hall of famer, but about the next tier for a career, he had like six pro bowls, all pros, but toward the end of the career, I mean, that makes sense that, toward the end of his career because i mean the whole team was kind of declining at the end of the 90s and and that makes sense um so but yeah it was good Good trivia question um so yeah diving right into uh free agency and and the big really really i think you know being that we're cowboys fans we kind of take it for granted but i think Probably the biggest story of all free agents was this, you know, DAC contract. Maybe, maybe even for the last two off season, and, and they, you know, today came to terms. Four years, one hundred sixty million, with one hundred twenty six of it guaranteed, yes. um, and the potential for a hundred for it to go up to one hundred sixty four million. And yep. I, I still don't know what those kind of incentives are but i'm sure we'll find find out one thing that i think is interesting that i i think i found out after we first talked about it on the phone was they're still technically going to tag him and that way 
he basically can't be franchise tagged ever again, or it'll be this astronomically high yeah. number. So, and he's also got no a no trade clause. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll start with what what are your reactions? I, I know you've got some strong opinions. I'm sure. Well, you got your numbers are right. It can go up to one sixty four million. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fully guaranteed up to one twenty six. Mm-hmm. Seventy five million in year one, and a signing bonus of sixty six million. Yeah, which is enormous. Uh, it can go up to one sixty four. With incentives, the main incentive being that he slides with the football when he's running. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, oh, you want my perspective on it? Yeah. Well, I'm hoping this is the aberration. I really am. Because it seems to me that this is just another in a long line of cowboy organization missteps where they overrate and overvalue their own players where they don't have the guts or the vision to think outside of the box really at all and they wound up getting taken to the cleaners by one of their own players zeke elliott did it the marcus lawrence did it i know he's good he's not worth what he's getting paid jalen smith did it and there were des bryant did it and there are other guys too. Yeah. That, uh, in all likelihood, that is what this is happening here. I really hope that's not the case. I really do. I hope that Dak Prescott comes back as a better quarterback because he's got a lot of room to improve. I hope this doesn't give him a big head. I hope this doesn't make him go backwards like big contracts did. And that's what really happened. You can talk about, you know. Carson Wentz didn't like his position coach. It's a big crybaby, blah, blah, blah. Jared Goff didn't have this. He didn't have that. No. They went to sleep when they got the big money. Yep. We don't know that they're going to be any better in their new living quarters. Yeah. But I don't think Dak Prescott is going to go to sleep. But he needs to improve his game. And we've talked about his flaws before. Obviously, he needs to stop running the ball. Or if he's going to run the ball, he needs to get out of bounds or slide. I don't care if you're five feet away from – five yards away from the defender. Just get down. Yeah. Okay, I, won't, I won't think any less of, of him. I'll think more of him. Just yeah. get down. When, like do a Tom Brady or a Tony Romo when you're getting sacked. Just fall down. Right. Okay? We need you. We don't need your broken bones. Right. It's very simple. Very, 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 very simple. And he just needs to become a better first-half quarterback. Yep. And he needs to prove that he's a winner. Because 8-8 eight eight, two years ago, 4-5, and five, but with Andy, with Andy Dalton this year at 4-5. and five. Mm-hmm. 27 points averaged two years ago, averaged 25 points a game this year. Um... The offense without him was not as bad as people make it out to be. And if you look at the records, 8-8 eight and eight versus Dalton 4-5, and five, or thereabouts, yeah. Dak had a better defense. Dak had a better offensive line. You mean Dak this year in 2020? No, 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 no. Oh, the year, year before. The year before. Okay. 
I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I agree with that. What's the story here? So he's got to prove right now there's a huge owner. One thing that's not being said is there's a huge owner. Everybody acts like Dak has proven himself, and he hasn't. Hmm. He's never won anything. Yeah. And he's also, like we've said many times, he's never proven he could take a team on its back. you got to surround him with talent. Yeah. I hope C.D. Lamb being there hmm. helps him become a better first – uh, half quarterback because if they don't start scoring on opening drives they're going to have problems yeah. and it's going to even even be bigger problems if they don't start putting up points in the first half you put up points in the first half it set changes the dynamic of the game completely it makes things so much easier for your defense we talk about sacks or the lack thereof but you know, part of that is a function of the offense not putting up points, so the yeah. defense never really gets Getting a chance. To pin it, yeah, yep. you know, to yep. uh, to pin its ears back and go after the quarterback. Right. Yeah, I think the a lot of aspects last year, the run game being or our run defense being terrible, not not getting sacks. A lot of that was a function of being behind all the time. Um, but. It was interesting because I I remember pretty vividly the first pod the first time I ever did a recorded podcast and it was pretty short and it was just me and the reason I had been thinking about it for a while but the reason I just you know I kind of made the the jump was I was pretty sure I, I felt strongly the Cowboys were on the brink of signing Dak Prescott and it was almost two years ago like. Uh, May of, of 2019. And so I listened to that podcast earlier today and I found myself, it was interesting because it was mainly interesting because of how radically different the market value for quarterbacks is in just two off seasons. And, and I agree with pretty much all the points I was, I was making there. I, I was talking about, you know, my, you know, how, Pro football focus is my primary, you know, way of evaluating players just because I don't think there's any other metric out there that does a better job of honing in on, uh, you know, individual performance and, and anything out there for fans, at least. I'm sure that the teams have their Does own the system. PFF rank him as the second best quarterback in the NFL? No, no, definitely not. Because he just not. got paid like that. Yeah, no, they, they put him at... Uh, I saw them post something. It was like 14th. And I think that's over the la- last, like maybe his whole career or last couple years. But that, that's accurate. Yeah. I, I think he's maybe a little bit better the last two years. But what I'll say in that podcast, I was saying, because that was coming off the 2018 season, which to his, to, to give him credit, if you're, if you're putting the QB wins on the quarterback, he was coming off a playoff season. He was coming off a playoff win, but he didn't actually have that good a season. And that was my thing is he he's, wasn't getting better. And I, I, I was saying at the time that I didn't think he was worth $30 million a year, which now seems like, you know, pennies. But basically a, a big part of it was because he's never, he, he doesn't have an upward tra- trajectory. And while... In general, I, I don't think he's worth 
this contract we paid him based on his current performance, I feel better about this deal that we just gave him than I would have back then paying him even just $30 million because at least he has gotten better the last two years. He certainly hasn't really reached that elite status, and I was well, talking about the talent it. around him got better the last two years. Um, yes. I think the running game has not been as good. The receivers certainly much better. I think the the... I got into this today earlier with uh, with a Cowboys fan. Remember, who... remember what he was before Amari Cooper came. Yeah. Well, and the thing I talked about on that podcast, and I, I stand by this, I don't think there was, in his individual play, I don't think there was a huge gap in performance from before Amari Cooper to after. When you when you isolate just Dak, he, was, he definitely got a little better, but not the dramatic shift his overall stats did because Amari Cooper is a yards after catch machine and you know the guys he had before were trash but Dak himself uh, you know not a, a huge jump I think he had a much bigger jump from that year to 2019 and then even bigger from 2019 to 2020 so really what we need from him for this contract to make sense we need him to take a similar jump that uh, Deshaun Watson took this year because really Deshaun Watson before before last year his peak season was similar to Dak's peak season um, and then last year he had a worse supporting cast and and he played at an elite level by by any metrics he was playing at an elite level it didn't you know his team sucked and the wins weren't there but I think he lived up to his contract, which is basically almost the same contract Dak signed. Sean Watson did something this season which Dak Prescott could never, ever do. And he took his team on his shoulders, and he he stood out, okay? Mm -hmm. Even though, like you said, thanks to their coach and their upper-level management, they were a team that was set. Their defense was just as bad as ours. Right. Maybe worse, even. Um, but, but yeah. But, but I'm, I'm saying that's, that's the leap Dak needs to make, or, or at least close to that type of leap. Do you think that he agrees with that? Who, Dak? Yeah. You mean you think Dak feels like he's already there? Like, yeah. <laughs> um. That's a good question. I, I think, uh, ultimately, I think Dak is, and, and you know, I think most fans are of the opinion that wins are, are all that matters. Dak probably thinks, oh, if I get us back to the playoffs and we win a playoff game, then I'm doing my job, when in reality, that's only a part of the equation. And when he did that before, he had better supporting talent because we were paying him you know, next to nothing. In order for us to be a contender now, you know, ultimately, if Dak plays at the level he had last year for the next four years, it's not a disaster of a contract. It's certainly better than some of these other contracts that the, oh, the ones you named. Well, well, but, well, I would, I would, I would just want to, I just want to add one thing. Yeah. This contract, 
Make no mistake about it. This contract was not given to Dak Prescott because of fair market value or because of leverage. This contract says you win a Super Bowl or you're not back in four years. Right. That's what this is. This is a Super Bowl winning contract. Yeah. Cowboys did not think they could win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. It wouldn't matter what anybody else thought. wouldn't matter what leverage he had. He would not have gotten this contract as Super Bowl stamped all over it. Yep, you're right. And, and I think it's, you know, it's a win-now mode. It saves us $15 million this year with the, with the cap hit. And one thing I want to I touch on before wrapping it up, with Dak, um, and, and I was getting into this debate with this guy on on Twitter today, and and, it, and he was trying to say that you could argue that Deshaun or that Dak is better than Deshaun Watson, and I was like, well, not not really, or at least I haven't heard a good argument, and he he basically didn't have any like real argument, and I was you know saying, well, the PFF argument proves that Deshaun Watson is but much better. And then I said, to the the one thing I don't think they take into account is the coaching level. And he said, well, coaching's a big deal. And I said, well, I think Kellen Moore is a better co- a better play caller than the Houston play caller. Um, yeah. Just some I don't even remember the guy's Dallas name, but he's had, not. Dallas has had better offensive talent. Um, at least comparable, but probably better. Yeah, and and he was. And, and then we got into kind of a, after I felt like he was just kind of deflecting and, and like trying, you know, to put as much, as little input in as possible without being proved wrong. Then we got into kind of an e- interesting discussion about the play calling. And I do think that Kellen Moore, he's shown, he's shown flashes of being a truly elite play caller, but for whatever reason, he regresses to this Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan conservative approach. And I, I do feel like, not, not to take all of the, uh, the blame off of Dak, but I do think some of the, of the blame for the early, uh, early, game, uh, early game failures is play calling. I think what we saw last year is we got down and... You know, as soon as we get down, we then we open up the playbook. Then we're throwing it. Then we're aggressive, and yeah. we score points. And if we're playing like that from the very beginning, but rather than the defense knowing you're throwing, you you can mix in play action. You can be a little more creative, and you know probably have an even greater effect than when the defense knows you've got to throw it every time because you're down by you know double digits. I think that's that's the formula that'll at least well, help Dak get to the next level. I, I don't know if that well, alone does it, but I, I think part of the early going woes stem from an identity crisis, and that is they think they are and they want to be a dominant running team. Yes. Yeah. They haven't been that the last couple of years. And so when you go out there and in the first half, you try, you pretend you're a dominant running team when you don't have a dominant running back, when you 
don't have a dominant offensive line like they did right. uh, in Prescott's, you know, the, toward the end of year. Romo's career and yeah. then the beginning of Dak Prescott's, mm-hmm. then you're in trouble. Yeah. And then you realize that, and then you, sure. you have to pass. And mm-hmm. I think they should learn the lesson right now that, hey, we're not a dominant running team. Yeah. We should, and we're paying our quarterback all this money. We're paying our receivers well, at least Amari oh, Cooper, a lot Cooper. of money. They yeah. invested a first-round pick in C.D. Lamb. Blake Jarwin paying him. Blake Jarwin, they, they paid him pretty well for mm-hmm. somebody who's barely done anything. Yeah. And they've got to put more emphasis on throwing the ball and being more yeah. aggressive early, rather than unless they unless they unless they find another stud O lineman and put yeah. him in there. I guess the only place they could put him now would maybe be guard. Center. Everything else is taken up. Say center, you could you could do better than Tyler Biot unless he takes a big step forward, which he could. You know, he's right, but I think they're going to give him every opportunity. Yeah, probably. And and Connor Williams is good, but I think unless they find another stud, another another Pro Bowler, Mm -hmm. that they're not going to be a dominant running team. No. And even with another stud Pro Bowler, you know, with with Zeke playing the way he has, I mean, giving up seven fumbles or whatever it was last year, it was just awful. Yep. Um, I, I don't see them being a dominant running team, and that's not necessarily such a bad team thing as long as you yeah. realize it and you, you go out there and you throw the ball. Right, and and I think the O-line play is much more uh, affects the running game much more than it affects the pass. With the pass, you can do things like play action, you can do screens, There's you can just throw, get the ball out quicker, which I think we did toward the end yeah. of the season, we did a pretty good job of with Andy Dalton to minim, to make our O-line better. But with the running game, it's 100% on the O-line. If, if you get blown up right. in the backfield, yeah. I don't care if you're Barry Sanders, Jimmy right. Brown rolled into one, you're not going anywhere. Right. So realizing that... And, All that happened to Barry Sanders once. Yeah. There was a playoff. There was a playoff game too. I don't remember who Packers. Was yeah, Packers. When like they negative, shut him down, negative yards. Yeah, and I read people yeah. writing negative things. I've lost respect for Barry Sanders. I was like, the guy had nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah, no one had any chance in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a in the, I think the Cowboys' second Super Bowl season. They played the Bears in the playoffs, and Walter Payton had maybe the best individual running back season of all time, definitely up there. Because, like, you look at that team he played on, and every play, like, there were no, I want to say there were no pro bowlers besides him. And he won the MVP. He ran for, like, 1,800 yards that year. And then he goes against the Cowboys, who are legitimately the best team, and and he gets, like, 30 yards, and we win by 30 points. But same deal, like... Even he, in that dominant of a season, you know, can't do anything no. if he's, you know, just. That's why. That's why Emmett Smith used to buy Rolexes for the O line. Yeah, right. And and the the notion of, you know, I think building your offense that way first of all is is not the the best way because then you neglect. It makes sense for Dak's rookie year to to put that emphasis on the running game because you know you didn't expect a whole lot out of him but at this point you paid him all this money you you gotta expect more out of him and I think he's shown enough to where you gotta and I think 
the I think thing that I disagreed with this guy about with regard to the play calling is the first the the one kind of glimpse you saw of of really Kellen Moore unleashed and Dak Prescott unleashed and and the really the level that we need him to play at least close to for this contract to make sense is week one of of the 2019 season against the Giants. And and my theory is the reason for that was, and he was saying, oh, it's because the Giants just weren't very good, but which is true. They they weren't very good, but it was also because Zeke was coming off. That was his first game after the holdout, and we were clearly spelling him. I think he got like 15 carries that game. And we just, I mean, so many play actions, so many first down play actions that game. And I mean, we were... Again, not a very good defense, but that that was by far, in my opinion, the by far the best game Prescott has ever Dak Prescott's ever played. Well, and Dak Prescott comes into this season, and I don't know if he's feeling the pressure, but he should be feeling the pressure because yeah. he's got an enormous contract to justify. It. I hope he feels he hasn't justified it because this is a future contract. They're paying him yeah. on winning a Super Bowl, not based on what he right. is or what he's done. And he has Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb in a slot. I think all those guys can run almost all the routes. Yeah. He's got Blake Jarwin, who's shown glimpses of being an explosive tight end. Yeah. I think he's going to be good. Dalton Schultz, who's shown he is a pretty good tight end. Mm-hmm. Reliable safety net. He's got two running backs who can catch the ball. All right. At one who might fumble it, but he'll catch it at least. The fumble's not on your mm-hmm. stat sheet. Yeah. And there's even even if even if the O line isn't um, at what it was his rookie season, it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Should be. He, you know, he has just really, he's he's really got to win games, and you know that's not. I heard they have a pretty hard schedule this year. Yeah, they're still in the NFC least, but <laughs> you know that they've at least on paper they've got a difficult schedule. So he's really he's got got a lot to prove this year. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm so glad we won't be hearing about his the damn contract. Yeah. We can move on. Obviously, you know, I I wouldn't have given him the contract. I've said that a million times. I'm not buying into the hype, but you know, at least we can move on now and look at how much cap space they can right. create and what they can do in free agency and the draft, right. and you know, move right. on, move on from. Um, there talk about something else that's more interesting yeah it's very tired yeah yeah um and that's good segue into my next next thing i want to talk about which is free agency and and like i mentioned earlier the 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 biggest initial benefit here is that the um you know the cap hit is 15 million less than if we just tagged him so we're going to be paying Dak 22 still over though we're we're still over, but very slightly. I think by over the cap, we're 
we had 20 million, we're paying Dak 22.2, so that means we're 2 million over. I, I read that if we restructure Demarcus Lawrence, which I think we may have already done, I think I read that somewhere, but the expectation, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence and Mari Cooper, those are two kind of easy restructures. And I think that instantly creates 25 million in cap space. And then we can, if we do Zach Martin, that would create another 8 million. So I think those three are, are no brainers. We talked about that a little last week. So that would be basically 30 million that we've got to spend on on free agents and you know no matter how Dak Prescott does even if he does you know catapult into the elite category if our defense is as bad as we were last year I don't think even even that's going to do it so we've definitely got to address the needs on defense and and really quick just kind of blazing through the the offense because expectation is we shouldn't need to spend much in free agency on offense oh, i don't think i don't i don't think we have to spend anything except yeah. for a backup quarterback that yeah maybe backup quarterback maybe a backup you know it, yeah it's backups i mean maybe a fourth string receiver if cedric wilson leaves maybe yeah, a running back maybe him. o-line but really any of those positions i feel like running back fourth string receiver or o-line I think any of those could be replaced by in the draft, and and it's yeah. probably going to be cheaper that way anyway. So, we'll kind of skip right into the the meat, which is the defense. So, we'll talk about each position, but I, I want to spend uh, spend more time on the cornerback and defensive tackle position because I think those are the two keys. Um, well, defensive tackle is going to affect linebacker. And, you know, cornerback is just, I think that's the most valuable position on, on the defense. Um, and it's, it's maybe the most inconsistent position in football. It's, it's, it's tricky um, to really nail down consistent cornerback play. Um, well, so we'll start with that. Um, we, you know, we've got Chidobe Awuzie, Jordan Lewis as free agents. I don't think... Either of us is expecting definitely n- n- not both of them to come back, maybe one of them, but even if we do bring one of them back, I, I still wouldn't feel good about that position. I, I don't know about yeah. you. Yeah. So, free, you know, a lot of people are, are mocking a, a first round corner to us, which we'll talk more about the draft in later episodes as we get closer. But um, the, the cornerback free agency class I feel like is is interesting because it's not very top heavy there, there's I, I think this guy William Jackson for Cincinnati is, is probably the cleanest but even he's not I wouldn't put him in the category of like Xavier Rhodes or someone like that um, in general we've talked about this before there's not that many consistently elite cornerbacks out there period um jair alexander is starting to maybe separate himself as as maybe the closest thing we've seen in a while xavier um i read the guy the giants had a heck of a year yeah he did bradbury but he he tapered off a little bit um as the season went on but 
I think even at his advanced age, Richard Sherman is the is still the guy that I like the most. You still that, like him? I, yeah, I he was injured a little bit last year, but the year, but he well he wasn't bad last year, and the year prior he was extremely good. That was one of his best years. Period. And he's, you know, he's very familiar with with Dan Quinn's defense, and the I, I think you got to take into account the leadership factor, and the you know he's just a brilliant, like you know, a brilliant guy in terms of understanding the position, understanding like there's a few guys, and, and you know I, I listen to a couple podcasts, and you know they're. He's he's one of the few active players, and I think some other players. You know, I'm sure Brady is on this level, but just doesn't speak about it. Um, but I, I heard Joe Thomas, who who used to be yeah, the Browns, tackle for the Browns, yeah. yeah, and he was he was the best tackle every year. Basically, he played, and I, I recently heard a podcast with him, and it's and it's the same way him. Richard Sherman, the way they study and understand the position, you understand why they're so good. It's not like they're ridiculously talented. They they obviously have the the you know NFL level talent, but the reason they're the best at the bet of the best is their mind and understanding the ins and outs of of that position. And I I think you even want Richard Sherman. I want Richard Sherman. That's my number one guy. <laughs> Would he be the first Harvard player ever for the Dallas Cowboys? Stanford, but Stanford. Stanford. I'm pretty Dad. sure we've had guys from Stanford before, yeah. but I can't think of anyone off offhand. But besides Sherman, he because I do think, I, I mean, I'm I'm not sure actually. I, I could see him going for. I could see someone paying well, close to ten million. I could see him get you know being relatively discounted uh, you know kind of a an incentive laden contract because he is 33 but but I, I really don't know there's a bunch of guys and I, I want to get your opinions I, I feel like the rest of the class after Sherman falls into three categories there's guys that had a good year last year but kind of bad years prior then there's a couple guys and and the guys I have are Ronald Darby, Xavier Rhodes, and um, Justin Verrett, the guy on the 49ers. Then there's a couple guys that have been really good but had down years last year, uh, Quinton Dunbar. And then there's a couple big-name guys who who I know, knowing Cowboys fans, they're going to you know flock to who actually I don't think are very good anymore, and, and you could probably Patrick tell. Peterson. Patrick Peterson and A.J. Bouye. Um, you could probably tell where I stand on those. But of those groups, where, where do you, you know... I haven't examined have the, the free agency class much yet. Hmm. I will. But as it stands now, I agree with you about Richard Sherman. Because yeah. I think Richard Sherman is the safest bet. Yes. That's and you could bring him out there and you could have – you could instantly have three good corners. You would have Sherman. You would have Diggs. Well, let's hope he's good. Yeah. And 
you you could use your first round pick on a cornerback. Yeah. I would still do that. Yeah. Uh, so I would have to go with Sherman because he's the one who I would trust the most. He hasn't had this these trajectories that make you worry. Yeah. You know, did the guy play well because it was a contract year? Is he just on a down? You know, did he have bad? Here because he's on a downward spiral. Right. What the heck is going on with him? Yep. So I wonder how much I think Richard Sherman's going to be probably maybe priced out of the Cowboys stuff. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but but you know, I've heard Shadobia Wouzier. I heard one projection that had him getting thirty million over, I think, four years. And I say, <laughs> yeah, I've heard more. Per year than that, I've heard twenty-seven million for three years. I think that's that's PFF's prediction, which they were they were actually pretty close on Dak. They they were projecting projecting four years, one fifty-eight million, less guaranteed. Oh, Very good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think to me, Bye. yeah, right. Um, to me, if we don't get Sherman. I I like the group, you know, the guys that are coming off of a good year, you know, but none of none of the alternatives, you know, excite me. Like if we were to get Richard Sherman, I I would be comfortable not taking a cornerback in the first round. I would still want to take one, probably top two or three, but there's no other guy that I would say besides William Jackson who. I think he'll definitely be priced out of our range. I, I would expect him to get like fourteen to fifteen million per year. Um, besides those two, none of these other guys would make me think. Okay, now we're pretty set at cornerback. Um, you know, I, I would. Xavier Rhodes. I mean, he's he had a good year last year with the Colts. No, but... no, no, Jordan Lewis. Oh, yeah, he wouldn't make me feel I mean he would make me feel slightly more confident about the slot corner position but then we're right. we're talking about the outside and and that's well the it, slot's just as important now yeah yeah but, I mean um, I would bring Jordan Lewis back at the right price which would yeah, not be a lot I would I would agree um, I mean the biggest problem is that he's got to watch his hands yeah He's very well, handsy. And and he's he did have some some of the his penalties I think were kind of a little ticky tacky. But tack. what you know, yeah, I, I would bring him back. I I, I think it's more likely because we've talked about this before. I feel like offensive linemen and cornerback are two positions where guys will get paid just because they started. Like teams still some teams still do not know how to evaluate those positions, in my opinion. And I think Chidobi Awuze will benefit from that. Some team will give him money. It's like some team gave Jock Reeves money. That that prime example of that. Um, so yeah, Chidobi Awuze I think is for sure gone. Jordan Lewis maybe you bring back. I, I think if you, I mean, in a scenario where you bring back Jordan Lewis and you sign Richard Sherman, then I'm almost like, okay, maybe we could not draft a corner draft a corner in like the fourth round um like that that would make me feel pretty confident as just as a sole free agency uh, 
direction. They better get that middle linebacker position straightened out. Well, that that and, I mean, because right now we you know we talked about how to open up some cap room. Mm-hmm. I have no problem cutting Jalen Smith. I really don't have much of a problem cutting Tyron Smith because I just have a hard time believing yeah. Tyron Smith is going to stay healthy. If I had if I had confidence that he was going to stay healthy, I would seriously consider bringing him back. But mm-hmm. I just don't see it. He's yeah. like, well, you once said that he was like Romo toward the end of Romo's career, yeah. where it's just an injury waiting to happen with him. And with the yeah. amount of cap savings, the cap hit that he's waiting to take, I'm he's somebody that I would I would definitely let Jalen Smith go. Yeah, because you could get a pop Warner linebacker to fill Jalen Smith's shoes, and. I would probably let uh, Tyron Smith go too, and then I would let Connor Williams and Brandon Knight and maybe somebody else fight for that left tackle job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you, I, I don't think we will let get rid of either of them because um, well, we keep everybody too long, right? I, and I think I, I do think Jalen Smith. I see the logic in keeping him one more season and. I think you know we'll get into this next position group, defensive tackle. You see, we'll see if that. I think we really need to attack that position, and then you you see if he gets better, if he or Vanderesh gets better with an improved front, and if he doesn't, uh, we're in a much better cap situation to cut him next I've, year. I've looked at the film though, and part of the reason why those defensive tackles looked as bad as they were was because the linebackers were absolute garbage. But a Van Der Esch is probably worse than Jalen Smith. So I don't know what went bad. wrong. Yeah. I don't know I don't know what went wrong, why they took such a tumble. Oh, I know Jalen Smith because he got paid. But I'm 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 saying goodbye to both those linebackers. It, it's not hard to find a good linebacker. No. You can get and a linebacker. It's not hard to improve upon these guys. You don't need Ray Lewis. Yeah. I'm saying goodbye to Jalen Smith. I can't fathom any reason why anybody would hang on to this guy, especially with the cap savings. Maybe, maybe he'll go somewhere and rejuvenate his full. That he's going to do that, and he's thrown so much mud in our face that it's bet, and it make makes make, make him an example. Yeah. And then take Van Der Esch and put him on strong side linebacker where he's barely on the field until he learns a lesson. Yeah. And that lesson is how to play football on a professional level. Yeah. No, I'm... But Van Der Esch might be another Sean Lee in that he's injured every other play. Right. But at least Sean Lee was good when he yeah. when he was healthy. Van Der yeah. Esch, I'm not giving Van Der I'm not giving... I have my Dallas Cowboys roster, projected roster in it. I do not have Jalen Smith, and I do not have Van Der Esch as a, as a weak side linebacker or a middle linebacker. I got him on the on the strong side where he's out there for 15 plays a game, and he might not hold on to that job long either. Yeah, I, well, I, I see. I see taking two linebackers in this draft and getting another in free agency. They got to fill middle linebacker yeah. in free agency. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to that position, but. Playing devil's advocate, I, I think, you know, there's there's uh, blame on both ends, but there's no question that in 2018, the, the season they both, Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch, both played well, 
our defensive tackle play was much better than it was last. Last year we were, I actually won't say for sure the worst in the league, but we were definitely the worst in the run game. Like I said, we're, and I, I think I was wrong with the stat when I brought this up before, but we were half a yard worse in terms of yards per carry before contact running up the middle than any other team. And that's, you know, that's a, there's not a ton of yards there anyway. So we were extraordinarily bad. And I don't know if this is going to completely fix it, but, you know, we it's definitely going to help at least a little bit. So talking about defensive tackle. Well, you know, anytime you take work out of the hands of these linebackers, you're making a good move. Right. Yeah. Anytime they don't have yeah. to make a tackle or be in position because they don't get in position. Right. Jalen Smith makes a lot of tackles, but and so I give him credit for being around the ball. Yeah. But, you know, these are tackles that are eight, ten yards downfield. Right. And I didn't see him missing a lot of tackles. Van Der Esch I saw missing more tackles. Yeah. But I didn't see Jalen Smith looking good. Uh, yeah, I just saw him looking way out of position and lost out there, like he hadn't studied for the game. And yeah. I didn't see him doing much in coverage either. Yeah. No, he he didn't. Um, yeah, and I don't know if, if this will help at all with coverage, but I definitely think it'll help to some degree shoring up the defensive tackle position with the run game at the very least. Micah Parsons, is he inside or outside? He's inside. The The thing with him is, and, and I don't hate him at number 10, um, the thing with him is, I think he's more of a... I don't know if he's going to be great in coverage. Um, I think he's going to be a great blitzer, but oh, I don't value it. that too much. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think there are there are better... And we'll get in the draft more. I, I haven't studied the other linebackers as, as much, but I think there are pretty good linebackers later in the in the rounds. But with, with defensive tackle... There's there's a couple obvious big name guys. I think Leonard Williams is almost certainly going to re-sign with the Giants, but you know, kind of the equivalent to Richard Sherman, the, the number one guy that in a perfect world I would like to sign is is the other Giants defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson, who is a I think prototypical one tech, um, but. He, he can, last year was kind of his first year where he actually showed a little bit of pass rush upside, which is kind of a a key when I look at def, one tech guys is can you rush the passer a little bit? And it I don't would be, think they can afford him. Right. That, that's the problem. He's, he's going to probably cost $10 million or, or so. So moving down, you've got guys like, and Dominican Sue once again, um, and at this point, I don't know if he's a great value. I think he's definitely on the tail end of his career. Um, he'd still him. be an upgrade. Yeah, yeah, I, I would take him over, you know, Don Terry Poe and and uh, Antoine Woods, but not my number one guy, even from a value standpoint. Then you got like a, a couple guys that are probably. I think McCoy's coming back. Yeah, McCoy will be back, and that'll, well, I, I think he'll be back. He, he Supposedly there's mutual interest, and that makes a lot of sense on both ends. So, yeah, that, that'll help with the three-tech spot. 
But the one tech, that that's really the spot that we've neglected and just yeah. whiffed at for, for years and years. One, one guy that I, I kind of forgot about, maybe I, I blocked his name out of my mind, but, um, you know, because I've said before, I felt like we just didn't invest resources into that position at all. But, and, and you know, there's some truth to that, but we have tried to get defensive tackle under control and in both, you know, guys like Tristan Hill, obviously, but also the the free agent I forgot we signed a few Might years as well ago. Right off Tristan Hill, he doesn't want to play football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's kind of you know, I, I you know at least Van Der Esch showed something once, so I, I feel a little more confident. But it's it's similar yeah. in that he's on a rookie deal, so you know why not? Um, but I wouldn't mind. Practice cutting him if he doesn't show anything yeah i mean practice squad yeah yeah practice squad sure but um but yeah besides tristan hill second round pick i forgot we we signed cedric thornton a few years ago as a defense tackle and at the time i i liked him i think i overrated him at i well obviously because he he played worse with the Cowboys than he did with Philadelphia. But even in Philadelphia, looking back, he wasn't that good. He was a decent run defender, never offered anything in pass rush. And and then he got even worse with, with the Cowboys. So, And then obviously Don Terry Poe was a total bust last year. So I don't know. You, you hope that you know Dan Quinn can come in and, and maybe help with evaluating defense tackles but I think there are a couple I think there's more depth at defensive tackle in free agency than there is in the draft and uh, we've I, I've talked a little bit about this but there's really only two guys in the draft that I like at all and it's the top two guys you have to spend a first or a second round on them on them most likely but in free agency they, there's you know Jarrell Casey kind of a veteran guy coming off an injury but he's consistently been good um his whole career Shelby Harris very underrated player um he'd be more of a three tech but he he would be he's one of those guys you know that I think could be a really undervalued player like he might get paid four or five million a year when he really should be making probably over 10 so that that's a guy I don't think he's going to be the answer from a run stuffing perspective because he's not he's not too big but he's a guy that might be a great value and then from just a pure you know big guys that'll stuff the run and probably won't cost too much Lawrence Guy from New England he's a he's a solid running defender not going to do much in pass rush and Derek Wolf um those those are guys that I would I would be fine with um oh and then this guy Tyson Alulu for for Pittsburgh yeah. he I, I'm a little weary with him cuz he he had a good year last year in limited snaps he didn't play a ton but I wonder if that's just a product of playing on a great defense, which Pittsburgh had last year. I don't know. But there's definitely a player to be had in free agency, at least one. I think McCoy makes a lot of sense. And then, 
you know, one of these other guys, and that puts you in a pretty good position going into the draft. But but I still would like us, to, no matter what, I don't think there's a scenario where I'm going to feel, you know, good about, um, I'm going to feel good about defensive tackle going to the draft where I think it's going to be a need in the first two rounds, no matter what. Oh, I think they got to take at least two, I think they not at least, but two ta- two defensive tackles. Yeah, in the draft, they got to find a they got to bring in a couple guys who can play. Yeah, and Agreed. I think that in free agency, the way I have it drawn up, I have them getting a defensive tackle, uh, specifically a one technique. I have them getting a middle linebacker. I have them getting a corner, and I have them getting a safety. Yeah. And I think it's about time that they actually paid some respect to the safety position and it's a great class of safeties yeah. and Free this way you, don't, yeah. you don't have to start a rookie yeah i don't want i don't want to bring xavier woods back yeah yeah he and he's another guy i think like chidobi awuze that's going to get paid just because he's started for a while um yeah, yeah safety is, is interesting because it is a a great class, but I think, you know, all there's like five guys that are arguably five of the best, maybe five of the top seven or eight safeties in the entire NFL. And I think most of them are going to get franchise tagged and the others are just going to be out of our price range. So really, I I think most likely it's going to be another, you know, bargain guy like, I've I've said it before. Malik Hooker makes a lot of sense, or Trey Boston, who's not very good in run defense, but he's good in coverage. Um, and you you know you think in that deep safety role that Dan Quinn plays, he might be a good good fit. But Malik Hooker is is the one that I would I would like the most. I've said that before. Um, but I would probably still draft a guy in addition to him because he is injury prone. He's, um, yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's really it. He's, he's injury prone. He's coming off of an injury. So I, I think that makes the most sense. I don't think we're realistically going to get a guy like a Marcus Williams or, a you know, um, Marcus. Somebody May. already got franchised. Yeah. I think that was Marcus May. Maybe Justin Simmons for Denver got franchised. He's another. He might be the the best of the best. Anthony Harris probably gonna. I don't know if he'll get franchised, but I, I think he'll get paid a lot. So, yeah, that's that's not a position I'm expecting us to put a lot of money into. But linebacker, there's there's a couple. I, I don't expect. Another position I don't think we're going to put a lot of money into, and and it's really not a position where there's a ton of you know top tier talent. Uh, Levante David is really the only one that I would consider a you know elite or near elite linebacker. But the guy that makes a lot of sense I think from all on all fronts is KJ Wright, who played with Dan Quinn. He's coming off a pretty good season. And, you know, he'd, he'd be an instant upgrade over, you know, both of our current linebackers. Right. Jalen Brown. Then you've got, the problem is with, with 
pretty much every linebacker, I think, regard. I'm not expecting us to to put a you know premium on linebacker this off season because because I don't expect us to get rid of Jalen Smith or Van Der Esch or or demote them even though no, I would like yeah of course not so yeah so, but I do I do expect us to address them to some degree but it's going to be you know again putting minimal resources and realistically. I think KJ Wright is probably the most complete linebacker we're going to get. Um, otherwise, we've got guy. There's guys like Denzel Perryman, who's kind of a good run stopper, but can't really cover. Or Jalen Brown for Tennessee, who's the opposite. He can he can cover pretty well, but he's not much of a run stopper. Um, Matt Milano for Buffalo is kind of in that same vein. Good in coverage, not in in stopping the run. And then I think if we, unless we're going to draft a linebacker in the first two rounds, it's going to be the same story with the linebackers in the middle rounds, which I would still like to draft someone in that range. And I think you can get a good value, but um, I don't expect us to, um, you know, to put a premium on that position. Um, And, and I'm, you know, I, I'd like to think we will with with defensive tackle and and with cornerback, but I I really don't know. I I don't know what to expect from this this team. I I'd like to think that we're we are in win now mode, considering we paid Dak, considering you know the cap moves that allows and the you know the backloading of contracts. We're we're backloading those. For some reason, there's not really any other free agent on our team that we need to sign. We, we've we've done the big signing. Unless we want, it, we're moving all this money to sign Xavier Woods, which you know that that tells you all you need to know about our chances. I'd like to think we are going to make some moves in free agency. I think it it could be a lot of bargain guys, but. Um, but I think there's there's good bargain guys and there's there's bad bargain guys and you know we'll we'll see. I think there's also going to be got because of the cap situation and and how um, you know how low the cal- salary cap is this year. I think there's going to be additional te- players that are cut that are yeah. probably better than than most most years and and. Right. We can and we can sit here and we can say who we want to get and who we think yeah. would be a good fit and what positions need to be addressed, but that doesn't mean that the Cowboys front office is going to do that, right? And or even value the positions that we think they should value. That that's <laughs> not even a matter of it's, they, they, you know they've shown just complete ineptitude when it comes to filling safety and defensive tackle. They've tried yeah. to do it, you're right, and they've been disastrous at it. Yeah. So. Now, without the ability to pick up extra draft picks by trading Dak Prescott, it makes trade it makes the draft less sexy, less fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as fun as last year, where you had you know a, a number of guys fall into your lap and you got lucky and you couldn't believe, for instance, C.D. Lamb was still on the board. Yeah, so unlikely, but uh, I don't know possible. how much they immediate 
dividends they can expect draft to pay off either. Yeah. Yeah, I think with the draft, it's going to be, you know, I I, I mean, I, think I know that their philosophy in the past has been to try little holes. Yes. Fill holes in free agency before the yeah, draft. Yeah, fill holes in free agency and then short, you know, get your players into the draft. But yeah. when your players in the draft, most of them are not, not going to pay immediate dividends. And then you've got a fringe player that you picked up on free agency basically just to have a warm body there. Yeah. It's got problems. It's got problems. And yeah. And you know it's it's hard to it's hard to predict. I mean, I you know a lot of the a lot of the guys that we picked up last year, I, I thought were good signings at the time, and and sure. I still think I, I you know I still maintain that I think Haha Clinton Dix would have been better than Darian Thompson, just because anyone would have been better than Darian Thompson unless right, there's some right. off the field thing, but. Um, but I mean, Don Terry Poe was the one clear miss, um, in, just based on his on-field performance. Yeah. And um, I don't and, know and how he position. thought the team was going to keep him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but his salary was guaranteed for the season, I think. Yeah. Because he was on the roster the first week. Well, he so. was he was the one that we signed to a. Th- three-year deal if i'm not mistaken and and i i do remember even though i thought he was a decent player and, and would be an upgrade i do remember thinking that was kind of weird or, or maybe it was mccoy i i kind of forget but i i know haha clinton dicks we signed to a one-year deal which worked out since we cut him but i remember one of those two thinking like three years for an old well. guy I don't know if it makes sense, but but yeah, I mean it's it's hard to hard to predict, and I think certain positions are are tougher to predict based on scheme changes. And I think that was at least part of what was the issue with Cedric Thornton was he went from a three four defensive end to a four three tackle, and you know that just didn't it didn't work out. And I think cornerback is a is a big position for that. Um, and, you know, defensive tackle, defensive tackle a little less so, but, but similar in making sure that it's a, it's a good scheme fit. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, by next week that that'll be the first day of, of the legal tampering period when we, um, record our podcast. And, and frankly, I don't expect, us to make a big first day splash um if we did that that would be the first time in a while probably since brandon carr unless i'm forgetting someone i I don't know if he was the first day but he was the last big name splash that i can think of well Um, yeah i mean that that might be it but you know i have a model of what i'd like to see the cowboys do in free agency and the draft, but it's abstract um, in the sense that it only goes by position. Yeah. I haven't 
like I said, I haven't evaluated the free agency class or the draft class yet to see who was going to be available. So that's the that's the second part of the equation, and it's a pretty big part of the equation. Yeah. But like I said, I, I think they need to definitely address one technique, middle linebacker, corner and safety, backup quarterback. I don't think they need to go more than that in free agency. And then the draft, I'm going to have to redo a little bit because they're obviously they're not going to get any draft picks by uh, trading Dak Prescott. So I need to, I'm going to need to scale that down a little bit. But I still I'm not sure that trading down in the draft is a bad idea. No, uh, there's nobody there worth taking at number ten if you're looking at a defensive lineman. Uh, so uh, if you're looking at corner, then maybe there is. But yeah. you really want to make sure they got a hell of a bet. You know, like, like a Terrence Newman. Yeah, not a Morris Claymore. Yep, and, and like you said, cornerback has been really hit or miss. Yeah, and and I think this offseason is going to be a. It's probably going to hinge. Besides, obviously, how Dak Prescott plays, I think it's going to hinge on Dan Quinn understanding what kind of players he wants. Because I talked about this before I, I feel like the issue has been at least partially maybe it's just we're picking bad players but at least partially it's the defensive coordinator you know defensive coaching staff not understanding the best fit players for their defense like I feel like the the model for that the the opposite end of the spectrum, for the Cowboys, what we've been is is been the Patriots. The Patriots, they know exactly what they need, and they'll bring in a guy like a Lawrence Guy, for example, who, who uh, we'll look up where they drafted him. But I'm guessing probably like fifth round, you know, maybe undrafted kind of guy. Um, but they know exactly what the seventh round. Yep, and, and he he bounced around with a bunch of other teams and. It's not like he's a he's a great player for them, but he he's a good run stopper as a defensive tackle. He's a, he's a productive starter. He's not a minus. The Cowboys last year had minus is at almost every position on defense. Really, besides defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence, Donovan Wilson, you know Trayvon Diggs toward the end. That that's pretty much it. Everyone else was below replacement level. And, you know, and part of that is, is, has to be scheme fit and a coach understanding exactly how to maximize players and then bring in value guys that can just kind of do their job and, and that's it, not be a minus on the defense. And I think if, if Quinn can, can achieve that, we don't need to hit home runs. We just need to hit like four or five base hits between the draft and free agency. And then I feel pretty confident about, about our, our team. If we can just get that defense to collectively replacement level, I think we're, you know, we're a contender. Um, assuming the offense is as good as, as it should be. So, yeah, I think that'll, um, I'll wrap it up for this week. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, we'll be be back next week, the first day of legal tampering, to talk more free agency, and we'll, we'll start getting into the draft. Um, the next couple episodes as teams start having their pro days. But um, but yeah, thanks all for tuning in to this uh, this momentous episode of Dak's contract finally being signed after almost two years of waiting. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. Until then.